I wanted to speak into that a little bit this morning because I think a lot of people actually can experience a level of anxiety or worry about fulfilling God's purpose for their lives. They begin to wonder, am I where I need to be? Am I doing the things I'm supposed to be doing? Does it look different? You know, sometimes we fear that we don't know what we don't know. Um, I watched an interview uh, with this, uh, on, uh, uh, basically, with, I think it was an NFL interview where they were interviewing one of the players in the NFL, and they asked him, do you know what you don't know? And he was like, I don't understand the question. He's like, well, do you know what you don't know? And he was like, no, I don't know what I don't know. You know it's like, and sometimes we fear that we don't know what we don't know. And are we going to be able to fulfill God's plan for our lives and, and God's purpose on our lives and calling on our lives? And what I wanted to encourage you with this morning is the understanding that fulfilling God's call for your life is a lot more like losing yourself in the flow of God's presence and the flow of God's move and the flow of God's, God's availability to you and, and, and direction of you and, and how He works in your life. God has got this, this river that flows and, and it's like a move of God that He does in your life. And fulfilling God's plan for your life is a lot more about losing yourself in that flow than developing some land-based strategy. Now, strategy is important, and intentionality is important, and, and organization is important, and we do all of those things. But more than that, we understand that there is a supernatural element to us doing and fulfilling what God has called us to, and it's simply by allowing ourselves to be swept along in the current of God's Holy Spirit, in the current of His love, in the current of His grace, and in His purpose. Because God has a purpose for your life, and the Bible says that it is He who both gives us the will to do and the ability to do to His good pleasure. So we need to surrender ourselves to the flow of God in our lives, because sometimes we're running from one point to the next, trying to get ahead in life, and only when you look back, and I've realized this so many times, you see how God was carefully orchestrating every moment in our lives and every part of our future and our restoration and our effectiveness and and everything that he wants to do, but we only sometimes realize it when we look back and we go, wow, God was working all along. And so I want you to realize that there is a flow. I want you to realize that there is a river. I want you to realize that there is a current of God that flows on this earth, in this church, and in your life. There's a current, there's a flow, there's a move of God. And uh, it's, it's sometimes difficult to define, it's difficult to to understand in the moment, but God is moving you, He's moving in your life, He's working in you, and when you realize this, you realize that it's a lot more about relying on the sufficiency of God's grace and faithfulness than figuring out your next step. How many of us lose sleep over trying to figure out the next step in our lives? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? How am I going to get there? Ultimately, it's about trusting in Jesus and His goodness more than it's about learning to swim in your own strength learning to get ahead in your own strength. And so I want to share a message with you today um, called There's a Mighty River Flowing. There's a Mighty River Flowing. Because the Scriptures talk about God's move on this earth oftentimes as a river that's flowing. And it's all over Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, in the Psalms, uh, in prophecy. It's often spoken about this river, the river of God, the river of life, uh, and these waters that, that, that flows in our lives and through our lives. And so um, I want to share this message with you this morning. And I want you just to turn to your neighbor right now and just say, there's a mighty river flowing. Just tell them there's a mighty river flowing. It's flowing right now. 
You can turn to your second choice right now and you can tell them you should get in. You should get into this river. If you only have one choice, you can just tell them as well. But there's a mighty river flowing, and this is the, the, the river of God's move here on this earth that has flowed throughout the generations. It's the same move, it's the same Holy Spirit, it's the same power of God, it's the same availability of God that has flowed right throughout the generations, right throughout the centuries, right throughout the millennia. It's this move of God, these, these things that God does on the earth as He brings water and as He brings life to, to dry land. So I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles here this morning, to Revelations 22. It's not often that I start a sermon in, in the book of Revelation, so it's, uh, it's awesome that I get to be here this morning. Revelation 22, verse 1. Revelation 22, verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So this river that flows, this, this, these beautiful waters that flow, flow directly from God's throne and from Jesus. And they come forth from the Lamb, from Jesus in heaven. Through the middle of the street of the city, he's having a vision of heaven. And also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so there's this river that flows from the throne of God. I'm going to pray for us real quick this morning, and we're going to talk about the fact that there is a mighty river flowing. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much this morning for your goodness. We thank you, God, that uh, that river that flows from your throne is flowing in this place today. It's flowing in our lives. It's flowing through our lives, Lord God. We thank you for the healing that it brings. We thank you for the blessing that it brings. We thank you for, uh, for the, the revelation that it brings to us this morning, Lord God. We thank you for the move of your spirit, changing hearts, changing minds, uh, setting people free, empowering us, Lord, to do all that you've called us to do. And we thank you for that this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. So, um, obviously, Lee and I were in Bali a few weeks ago, and at one point, we wanted to go and, and visit one of these waterfalls. So, all over the inland part of Bali, they have these amazing waterfalls that are in the jungles. Uh, some of them are in caves. Some of them are like just dropping out in the middle of nowhere, and, and uh, what you don't see when you look at pictures of Bali on Instagram is how many thousands of Instagrammers there actually are in Bali that travel there specifically to go take photos of those of those waterfalls. And you know, in the photos, they're always by themselves, kind of like this, facing the waterfall. Uh, I was tempted to do it just for fun, just like standing in front. This is the, when you meet a waterfall, it must be posted on Instagram like this. Um, and it looks like there's no one else. But if you stu stood back and took like a wide angle view, there's like 40 people doing this in front of the wood. It's so dumb. It's the most irritating thing about Bali is like the hippie Europeans, you know, that all want to go like, I'm in nature. Um, and so, basically, we went to go visit one of these waterfalls, and you can get quite close to the waterfall it, fall itself. You walk down um, some stairs uh, down the cliff, and you get to the waterfall, and you can cross some streams and get right in front of it where, you know, there's this beautiful mist that, that rises up from the water as it, as it falls down um, into the chasm below. And, and, um, and, so, and so, to get close to this waterfall, I always want to go to, like, the closest point um, if I've gone down there, I want to get to the closest point. But you had to kind of cross a little stream, a little part 
of the river itself in order to get there. And so I took Lee by the hand, and we were walking through um, the, the, the stream, and as we were crossing the stream, her one flip-flop came off. Okay, so the, 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 apparently the stream was strong enough to remove the flip-flop from her foot, and uh, it started flowing downriver. I only discovered this about my wife recently, but apparently she lacks the ability to clasp a flip-flop with her toes like all normal people can do. I'm like, just hold it with your toes, you know, like it won't fall off. I also had flip-flops on, but she can't do that. And so the flip-flop started flowing downstream, and she just pointed at it and said, my flip-flop, all right? Which as her husband really leaves me in a bit of a dilemma because I'm asking myself the question, what kind of price am I willing to pay for this flip-flop, right? To retrieve this flip-flop. Because there's one of two things I can do. The one is to, to go all in, to, to literally dive in, you know, to save the flip-flop, to risk life and limb, to risk myself being, you know, swept out into the ocean, um, you know, to to be filmed, photographed, and live-storied by, like, all these Europeans and have these images beamed across the nations as I pursue this tiny rubber raft floating towards the ocean? Um, or do I do kind of like, I don't know if you've seen those Viking sea burials where you just stand by and watch as it drifts off, you know, like, farewell, good and faithful companion, you know, just like, there it goes. And so I kind of awkwardly went with both, all right? I... I didn't really pursue, I did pursue the flip-flop, but not with the usual kind of, of intentionality that I put into pursuing things, you know, I, I just kind of hobbled along over the rocks, kind of, don't go flip-flop, you know, like, kind of like, you know, when a child watches a leaf go down a stream, so I was not wanting to do nothing, but I, you know, also wasn't going to go all out for the flip-flop, and um, so I did in my defense, though, try to get both a Balinese tour guide and a French lady in a bikini to make an effort, you know, to stop the flip-flop downstream. Um, but apparently flip-flop saving doesn't rank very highly on the priority list of Balinese waterfall goers. And so everybody just looked at me like I was weird. I was like, the flip-flop, can you just the flip-flop? And they just looked at me like, what are you doing, dude? Um, and so the flip-flop got away. And somewhere in Southeast Asia today, there is a tiny white South African flip-flop still continuing its adventure, all right, like still out there somewhere, and uh, Lee had to go the rest of the trip with just the one flip-flop, um, but in Revelations 22, as we've just read, there's this flow that, that, that sweeps, that takes things along, there's, there's this water of life, and, uh, and, and it carries things along with it, there's a current to it, there's a drift to it, and when we entrust our lives to that flow, to that current, God takes us to where He wants us to be. This is part of the beauty of God's grace in our lives, is that even though we don't always know where to go, even though we can't always figure it out, even though we sometimes feel like we're lost, when you've entrusted your life to Jesus, even when you feel lost, like that flip-flop flowing down the stream, the truth is God is busy directing your path and your footsteps every single day. He's moving you into the exact position that he wants you to be, and even the things that feel like calamity, even the feels that feel like, um, like a misstep, ultimately all become a part of his plan. All become a part of his plan. I can't tell you how much more boldness and courage I found in life when I realized that God's grace is for me. Because it means that I can take risk, I can dive in, I can not like when I pursue the flip-flop, but in general, I can go all out, because even if I miss it, 
God will bring me through the flow of his river to the place that he wants me to be. And I want you to know that God will do the same for your life. He will take you to the place that he desires for you to be as long as you trust him, as long as you surrender to him. This river that flows from the throne of God is like a supernatural reality. It's put in human uh, picture of this, this analogy of a river, but, but for us in everyday life, you might say, well, I'm not swimming in a river every day. We live in Joburg, and you don't want to swim in the rivers around here, but it's, it's, it's a supernatural reality of the fact that God is moving. He's moving, and He's moving you along as you trust in Him every day, and it might not feel like it, it might feel like your day is pretty mundane, you're just doing normal things, but God is actually moving you to where He wants you to be, and that is the move of God's Spirit in our lives. You see, He doesn't just move us somewhere, but He transforms us as He moves us. Sometimes the movement is you becoming a new version of you or a different version of you or changing every day. There's movement in terms of your transformation as you become more like Jesus, as you take on more of God's heart, as you look more like who he wants you to be and needs you to be in order to fulfill his plan through your life. There's movement, there's change. It's dynamic, the journey with Jesus. It's not static. It's not just coming to church on a Sunday so you can hear a message that has no impact on your life and then go out for lunch. There's something happening in your life. There's something happening in your life. God is faithful to complete the work, the scripture says, that he has begun in you. He started that work. He's going to complete that work. And so this move of God stems from the throne. It flows forth from the throne. Every river has a source where it begins. And what the scripture tells us is that the flow and the move of God starts at the throne of God. It starts at the throne of Jesus. In other words, it starts from his authority and sovereignty and who he is as God and his nature and his characteristics and his love and his faithfulness. That's where this water flows from. And that's why it is so bright and so pure and so crystal clear. It's not uh, cluttered or muddled. It doesn't have any kind of sediment swirling around in it. It is this pure river because it's the pure intention of God for your life. And it flows from his throne, his ability, from the lamb, the grace of God. Jesus is the grace of God shown towards us. And from his, gross, his grace, from his throne, flows this river. And where it goes, it produces life. It produces healing. It, it causes growth to happen. And so God is doing that on the inside of you. When you allow his spirit to flow on the inside of you, it is bringing healing to your life. It is bringing healing to your heart. It is bringing healing to your soul to your mind, to the way you think, to the way you live. As the Holy Spirit flows on the inside of us, it brings healing to us. It brings life to us. It refreshes. Peter said in, in, in Acts 2, verse, uh, from verse 30 onwards, when Peter gets up and he begins to preach, he says that if we repent, which means to turn around, to turn back to God. The Hebrew word was teshuva, let's return. Let's go back to God. When we return to God, when we go back to him, he says, times of refreshing will come. There's a refreshing. You can stop striving. You can stop struggling. You can stop seeking purpose and seeking uh, you know, fulfillment in, in earthly things. And you can return to your creator and you can be made whole. It's a joyful return, like a soldier coming home from war. The fight is over. You can go home. You can be with your family. When Jesus sent out the disciples... He sent them out with the force of this river. 
And it actually tells us in the scriptures that when he sent them out, uh, he told them to go and pray for people. And if people were sick, to pray for them and they would be healed. And, and if people were, uh, needed deliverance from demonic forces, to pray for them and the demons would be cast out. And, and he's told um, that, 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 that they, sh- they should go out and do this. And as they go out and do this, he says that Jesus, Jesus instructs them to tell the people, the kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom of God is God's reign. It's his rulership. It's his, it's his authority. And so it's very much the river. The disciples took the river of God into dry places, places where healing was needed. And that river flowed and people got healing and people received restoration and people received life and refreshing from the Spirit of God. And so the disciples go and they, they pray for a person. The person's healed and they said, the kingdom of God has come. It's here the rulership and the authority and the flow of God, a mighty river flowing, a mighty river flowing, a mighty river flowing. And I believe that God calls us in the Scriptures not just to stand at the edge of that river, not just to dip your toes into the river, not just to admire the river from afar. Have you ever stood at a really beautiful river and you feel like you're not getting the full experience? Like, it's beautiful, but I want to get into it. I don't know, maybe, maybe, that's not, maybe that's just me. But whenever, whenever I see a really beautiful river, I'm like, I'm not experiencing the fullness. I need to dive in. I need to experience all that this river has. I want to swim in it. I want to be refreshed by it. Reminds me of a time that my friend Christoph is here. We always uh, go on holiday together, and we were on holiday. And we decided to take our six kids and go up to a bridge that was very far from the sea. And I had a little boat, but the air was going out of it, so it was like collapsing on my children. And, um, and, and he was just kind of like holding some of his kids. And we were going to, for fun, float downriver as the tide was going out with six kids. And we did it. We went up to the bridge. We got in the river. Our kids cried the entire way. <laughs> it was not fun at all. But we did it. We got in the river, and we experienced the fullness of the river. And there are some people that they stand at the river of God, and and you might even feel that there's a flow here this morning, that the Spirit is speaking, that that God is working in people's lives. And you're kind of like dipping your toe, and you're like, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know how far or how deep I'll allow myself to go in this river. And in giving myself and in surrendering surrendering myself to what God is doing here, to His flow and to His purposes. But God invites us to surrender ourselves to the current, to surrender ourselves Uh, to this journey, to trust Him as we journey through life and as He accomplishes His will in our lives. It it requires us to give our hearts to Jesus, to give our souls, to entrust our future to Him, to say, here I am, Jesus, send me. I've surrendered myself to your will. Accomplish your will in my life. And so we see in the book of Ezekiel, which was another prophecy we read in Revelation, but another one in Ezekiel, Uh, we find in Ezekiel 47, God gives the prophet Ezekiel a vision of something quite similar. And I want to show this to you. So if you have your Bibles, Ezekiel 47 is where we're going to spend um, the next few minutes together. Ezekiel 47 and verse 1. Ezekiel 47 and verse 1. And God shows Ezekiel a vision, takes him into a vision. And shows him this river, and it says in verse 1, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. 
for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. So it's flowing out from the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the, uh, on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. So, so there's, uh, there's this source of this river. And what I love is, is that we see in Revelation that that river actually stems from the throne of God. But here on earth, the throne of God in the Old Testament was the temple and the most holy place and the altar. That was the, the, the mercy seat was, was representative of the throne of God on earth. And so not only does this throne flow, does this river flow from the throne in heaven, but it actually touches down here on earth. And it flows out here on earth. And where God established his presence in the Old Testament, in the temple, in the most holy place, that river flows. And it says, the water was trickling out on the south side, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand. The man measured a thousand cubits. And then he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. So this water flowing from the throne of God is ankle deep. It starts out ankle deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again he measured a thousand, and it was a river that could not pass through, that I could not pass through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. See, that's the flow of God in the earth, and it's the flow of God in our lives. Where are you in terms of this progression that God shows the prophet Ezekiel? The flow of God, the current of God, the progression. Some people, they're standing at the edge of the river wondering, can I trust God? Can I, can I enter into this river? It's, it's beautiful, it's alluring, it, it draws us in. It's the love and the goodness and the grace of God that causes man to repent. But then there's some people that they repent and they step in, but they go ankle deep. Because you know, if you're ankle deep in a river, you can make a, a getaway pretty quickly. Like you can jump out and run away like, like some kids that go to the ocean, you know, they only go ankle deep. And as soon as the wave comes, they run away. They run out of the water. And some people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go to church, but I'm not really going to give my whole heart to Jesus. I'm not really going to trust Him with my future. I'm not really going to obey Him when He speaks through His Word into my life and into what I should be doing and, and, and how I should be trusting Him and, and, and what are the right steps to take. I, I'm just going to trust him to there so that I'm still in control. You see, this is all about, are we surrendering ourselves? Are we in control or are we trusting Jesus? If you're ankle deep, you're saying, I still want to be in control. If you're ankle deep in a river or if you're ankle deep in the ocean, you're still in control. Others go knee deep. When you're knee deep, you can still run. You can still get out. It's tough. I don't know if you've ever tried to run knee deep. You see, with every little bit of depth that you go, you lose some of your ability and some of your control to fend for yourself. And so some people go, I'll go, I'll go like knee deep. Like how many of you, when you take a swim, even if it's in summer, you're one of those people that the swimming pool is always too cold. And you're like, I'm going for a swim, but you just go knee deep. I've swum, you literally take like a little hand towel and just dry the bottom of like your calves. Okay, I'm good. See, some people commit to their lives to God knee deep. Others go waist deep. 
When you're waist deep, it's impossible to run. You have to wade at that point. You're surrendering more of your life. And I believe that this is a progression we all go through. And by God's grace, he leads us deeper. Just like Ezekiel was led, and then he measured another thousand cubits. And then he measured, and then he measured. And every time God measures, we're a little deeper. And I believe that if you're ankle deep right now, it's not to judge you or condemn you. It's just to encourage you to trust that God is going to take you deeper and to allow him to do it when it happens. He's taking you deeper into the water. God is taking us deeper. And before we know it, we come to that point, and I've often referred to this in the past, but it's that point like when you're swimming in the ocean, you're going towards, you know, you're at the beach and you go deeper and deeper into the waves. There comes a point where the waves pick you up a little bit, and then you, you go down and your feet touch the sand again. You get picked up again, you come down, your feet touch the sand. But if you go just that one little bit, just one meter deeper in, the waves pick you up, and when you come down, your feet touch nothing. And for a lot of people, that is a fearful place to be. Because that's the moment that you've surrendered control. That's the moment that you're no longer operating in your own strength. And that's the place that God wants to bring us to where we are totally dependent upon Him because we're no longer standing in our own strength, but we've given ourselves to His mercy and to His grace. So some of us here, we like to make it look like we're swimming. Like, you'll come to church, board shorts on, towel over the shoulder, you know, maybe you even have those, like, um, those wings, you know, those blow-up wings, like, I'm ready to swim. But, like, my boy, uh, Jude, he had a bit of a bad experience where I turned around for a minute, I was standing right by him, I turned around, he fell in the pool, he was about two years old, and uh, he just, like, little bubbles, he was just, like, sinking down to the bottom, I don't know, he, he didn't even make a gesture, like, to try and swim, he's just like, I'm, I'm gone, I'm dead. And uh, so I looked at him, I saw this little hand like just like going down, and uh, I grabbed his hand, I pulled him out, and he sat there coughing by the side of the pool for a little, and when he got his breath back, he just said, I nearly died. And, um, and since then, for about a year or two, he didn't want to swim at all. But when his brother swam, he was like, it looks fun, and so he'd put everything on, and then he'd go stand by the side of the pool, maybe get into the first step, but would not actually get into the pool and then he would complain whenever water splashed him. And we're like, why are you splashing me? I'm like, because we're swimming. This is what happens when you swim. You get wet, you know? And it was really frustrating. It took him some time to get over that. And now he's, he's swimming and he's loving it. And he's the first one into the pool. And he dives in and does the whole thing. But for some people, they came to church or they trusted their hearts to, to some Christians or whatever it might be, and they got hurt. They had a bad experience. And so now... They still kind of want to come and swim, and they wear everything that it looks like they're swimming, but when they come, they just reserve some parts of their heart. They're like, I'll get in. And then when they get splashed on, or when we're like, hey, let's raise our hands in worship, they're like, why? Seriously, why do I have to raise my hand? Don't splash on me, bro. I just want to stand here in the shallows. Leave me alone. And we're like, no, let's dive in. Let's dive. No, I'm not diving in. My swimming is ankle deep only. Because you've had a bad experience. But you see, like, God is calling us. He's inviting us. You're not having the full experience. You're not, you're, not, you're not experiencing the refreshing waters of actually diving into the swimming pool and, and being at home in this place. And that's where I believe God wants to do something in our hearts and bring us to a place where we can experience the healing waters, where we can see incredible things happen in our lives as we begin to trust God wholeheartedly, as we give ourselves to Him and we're moved by His presence and 
most incredibly actually see God do things in the lives of others through us. You see, that river flows. And if it's flowing in you, it'll be flowing through you. It'll be flowing through you like it flowed through the temple. It does amazing things. In Ezekiel 47, he goes on in verse 6, and he says, And he said to him, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and I went back. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Araba, or Arava, as it would have been said in the Hebrew times, and enters the sea, which is the Dead Sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. The dead will become alive. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the waters of the sea may may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Engelen. And it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. This incredible uh, life-giving river that God causes to flow from his throne, from his temple. It says it flowed east through the valley, valley of Arabah, which is a place that's really dry. In fact, I have a video that, uh, that I, I saw that somebody took of, of uh, you can go ahead and play it, just a drone image. That's the valley of Arabah. That's the valley that God shows the prophet Ezekiel. The river of God will flow from the temple through this valley. And wherever it goes, there will be life. There will be very many trees. There will be as much fish as in the sea. And people will stretch from from the top to the bottom and and there'll be spreading of nets and there'll be provision and there will be blessing. How can anything flow there? How can anything have life there? This place literally receives practically no rain ever. And that's where God says, I will cause the river to flow from my temple through that place. I will cause it to flow. And we see in the Old Testament where God says, I will cause streams of river to flow in the desert. You see, when God's flow happens in our lives, it does miraculous things. It brings life to things that you thought were completely dead and could never have life again and could never experience restoration and could never see provision and could never see fulfillment. And God says, in that place, that's the exact place that I will cause the flow to happen so that you will know that I am the one who did it, that you will know that I am faithful, that you will know that I am the God of the miraculous. I will bring water through the valley of Arabah. It reminds me of the woman at the well who was thirsty And Jesus said to her, if you asked me, I would give you rivers of living water and you would never thirst again. That thirst that we all have as humans, God says in the dryness of our souls, in the dryness of our lives, he will cause fulfillment to flow. How many people are out on Black Friday just looking for some happiness, just looking for some fulfillment, just looking for for something that's going to make them feel better about their lives? God says, I'm the one who ultimately fulfills and quenches your thirst eternally. It flows into the sea, speaking about the Dead Sea. This river flows through this dry desert and into the Dead Sea that is so, has such a high salt content being below the, the sea level. The Dead Sea is actually below sea level. 
And the River Jordan is called the River Jordan because it's flowing into the Dead Sea. The, the word Jordan means descending into death. And so this river of God flows into the dead places. You would think that the, the river of God would flow in like the lush valleys and, and where it seems really Christian and really godly and creation abounds. But God goes, I'm going to take my river and I'm going to flow through the driest places and into the dead places. And as that water of the rivers of God pushes into the Dead Sea, it brings life. It brings life. It brings restoration. It revives the dead. It resurrects the dead. And that's what happens when God's river flows in our lives. It brings resurrection from the dead. It heals those waters, and it brings life. It says everything will live where the river goes. If there's a part of your heart and your life that you've shut off to God, when the river flows there, the life will come. The healing will come. We need to trust God's, God, God's intention for our lives in that way. It says that there will be fish and fishermen everywhere, which tells me that when the, the river of God flows in our lives, it brings provision. It brings provision. If you're worried about provision, if you're worried about 2019, if you're worried about the future, if you're worried about... Uh, you know, whether or not you'll make it financially, whether or not, you know, you'll make it to the end of the month or the end of the year, whether your business will survive or whether you'll be able to provide for your family. If you're in the flow of the river of God, if you are the righteousness of God by your faith in Christ Jesus, if you keep your eyes fixed on him, the scripture tells us that he will provide all of your needs. God is faithful like that. And he will provide for you. You can trust. You can trust in his goodness. He said it, we see the same thing when Jesus came to the disciples and they were busy fishing and, he, and they had caught nothing. And Jesus said, throw your net onto the other side. And all of a sudden, they, they, they caught so many fish that their boats began to sink. That's the provision of God. At one point, the tax collectors came and asked the disciples to pay tax. And they didn't have the money. How many of you have ever been in that position? Sars comes knocking and you're like, Sars, I'm sorry, I have nothing for you. And Jesus says, no, don't worry. Peter, go to the beach and catch a fish. I can just imagine what's going through Peter's head. Like, Jesus has lost it. The guy's asking for tax, and I'm fishing. And he goes and he catches a fish. And he opens up the fish's mouth. And the exact amount that the tax collector required was in the fish's mouth. So you're like, Jesus, please just do that one more time. Just do that for me one more time. I'll go fishing. I'll go find a dam. You know, there's like dams, I think, around Springs or Brackpan or somewhere. I'll go fish. Guys, still fish out there. I'll go fish, and I will get some money from the fish, and I'll pay what I owe SARS. Um, but, but the point is, is that, that fish is representative of provision. What provision do you need in your life? It comes through Jesus. It comes from his throne. Ezekiel 47, verse 11, and I'm almost done this morning, says this. It says, but its swarms and its marshes will not become fresh. Sorry, its swamps and its marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. Its swamps and its marshes don't become fresh. You see, what God wants to do in your life, He wants to do through your life. He doesn't want us to be swamps and marshes where we receive the water of life. But because we're so focused on ourselves and because we're so wrapped up in what we want from our lives, we take it just like a prosperity thing. Yes, give, 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 give. But we never, we never give out again. We never become a channel through which God can bless others. We've missed half the story. We've missed how God doesn't just want to do something in your life. 
because he wants to bless you. That's true, but he also wants to bless others through you. He wants you to be a channel. He wants you to be a river and not a swamp. Swamps and marshes did not become fresh. Whatever we don't put into God's hands cannot be refreshed. The river of God flowed from the temple, but God wants it to flow through us. In the New Testament, Jesus says this in John 7, verse 37. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. I love this because it's not like Jesus just got like, hey, hey guys, you know, like clinking on a glass. Or I think they were like wooden, so it would have made a really dull sound. But anyways, Jesus gets up and, and he says, hey, everybody, I just want to quickly tell you something. Like, like, no, he stands up at this feast and he cries out. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus says that we will receive the Spirit if we believe in him. We will receive the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, Ezekiel saw the river of God flowing from the temple. But in the New Testament, the Scriptures tell us that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And that we as a collective are His church and His body and His temple, His house. We are a spiritual house built not with the hands of men but with the hands of God. And from the altar here and from your heart and out of your life flows rivers of living water that's not just there to bless you, but is there to bless those around you, to bless your city, to bless your nation, to bless the people that are in your life that God has given you as a sphere of influence. The river is supposed to flow through us, not a swamp, not a marsh. You see, as the rivers flowed from the temple in the Old Testament, from the throne of God, God's throne and rule and reign is in your heart right now. He reigns over our hearts, and He flows forth from our hearts rivers of living water bringing life wherever it goes. God wants to flow through you. God wants to flow through us. This week I was thinking about that scripture. I mentioned it briefly last week, and, and I was thinking about that scripture in, in Romans 8, my last scripture for the morning. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And I normally just took that as a lump sum statement. Yes, God loves me. I love him. You know, the Bible says that we love God because he first loves us. So if we love him, it's because we've recognized that he loves us. So I know that God loves me. And I know I'm called. So, yep, God's going to work everything together for good. But I think there was something more to the scripture that I hadn't quite latched onto yet in the past. And that is, why does God work all things together for the good? Because he is good and because he loves you, but also because when he restores your life and when he works in your life and when he works all things together for good, he is actually giving you a platform from which you can fulfill your calling. You see, there's a purpose for your life, and so God will restore your life, and that restoration will become the launch pad for your effectiveness. It's supposed to be a river. It's supposed to be a flow. You're not supposed to be a swamp. God has done something in your life because he wants you to be able to testify of his goodness in the lives of others. And I realize that when God restores, it's because he's, he's giving you 
a platform. He's given you a platform of compassion. You have compassion for others. A platform of, of experience. You know what it's like. Just like Jesus, who's a compassionate high priest because he lived among us. And he gives you a platform of faith. A true, genuine, tested faith. Because you've had to walk a journey. And God brought restoration to that journey. Not just so that you can sit on your porch and say, well, I'm, I'm good now. But so that you can be effective in influencing the lives of others. Because nobody can tell you ever again that God isn't faithful. That God isn't kind. That God isn't true. He's proven it to you. And so you can share that message with others. Those rivers of living water will flow forth from it in us. So God wants to move through us as a church. He wants to move through you as an individual. He does not want you to go through life anonymous to those around you. Where you just kind of do your little bit, earn your, your salary at the end of the month, go home, switch on Netflix and watch some series and then do it all over again the next day. There's a mighty river flowing. There's a move of God in this city. There's a move of God in this nation. There's a move of God in this world. And he encourages us to dive in, to surrender all, to give our everything to what God has for us. And as we do that, we become channels of that river. We become tributaries of that river. The flow of God and the move of God and the power of God works through us. Rivers of living water flow forth from within us and it brings healing wherever we go. It brings life. Everywhere the river goes, it brings life. It brings life. So I want to encourage you to give yourself in that way, to not count yourself out of that picture, to trust God and to experience the river flowing through your life. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray together this morning.